Hello, everyone. I'm Mark Squires, and if you're tuning in for the second episode of FinPoint, welcome back. And for first-timers, well, welcome in. Today, we'll be evolving our conversation from last time. Specifically, we'll be digging into the first tier of the new advice values stack that we spoke about with Sanjeev Merchandani and Eric Omquist in episode one, Managing the Money. Let's do a little recap to get things going. There's a new philosophy that advisors are using to create more value for their clients. That's the value stack. And moving up each tier represents more opportunity for advisors to identify and provide what really matters to their end investor. So this episode establishes that foundation of the value stack at the very first level, managing the money. We'll explore investment outsourcing, portfolio construction, and model portfolios with my colleagues Matt Goulet and Paul Ma from Fidelity, who consult with hundreds of advisors every year on this really important subject. Then we're going to chat with Greg Pinto, a financial advisor and planner with Bay State Financial. Greg is based in Wellesley, Massachusetts, and works out of Bay State's Wellesley, Boston, Wakefield, and Nashua, New Hampshire offices. So for now, let's get started with Matt and Paul. Okay, managing the money. Matt Goulet, Paul Ma, welcome. First, how about you give us a little background about yourselves and how you fit into the greater fidelity picture and ecosystem? Matt, let's start with you. Thanks for having us, Mark. So my name is Matt Goulet. I work in Fidelity Institutional Asset Management, otherwise known as FIAM. And you can think about FIAM as representing Fidelity's lineup of mutual funds, of exchange-traded funds, and now model portfolios. Specifically, my role on the team is to represent our model portfolios to financial advisors. How about you, Paul? My name is Paul Ma, and I'm the lead portfolio strategist for our portfolio construction team. And our job every day really is just to help advisors build better portfolio. And for a guy with a seven-month-old, you look relatively rested. <laughs> I know. Last night I stayed at a hotel. So. <laughs> there you go. All right, Matt, back to you. So there's no question that the wealth management landscape is changing dramatically. Talk about some of these trends. Absolutely. So last week, or last episode, I should say, you talked about the new advice value stack. And today's focus is on the bottom tranche of that pyramid, which we refer to as managing the money. And when you think about managing the money, that's where really most of the changes have occurred. Today, Cerulli says that's where an advisor spends 40% of their time, and it seems like it's decreasing every day as they outsource a lot of those money management functions. So when you think about outsourcing, you have a bunch of different partners you can rely on. You have large asset managers that are now creating model portfolios essentially for free. They're not charging an advisory fee for that service in most cases. You also have fintech tool providers that are offering low-cost tools to advisors to help them think through portfolio construction. So it's really a golden age in, in terms of a financial advisor and their access to portfolio construction tools that help them manage the money. It's an interesting trend. So if Cerulli says that today an advisor spends 40% of their time managing money, 25 years ago that was probably 90, 100? Had to be. I mean, you think about the evolution of the tools in this space and, and how they make an advisor's life a little bit easier, more efficient. It just allows them to spend more time with their clients. That's what the other 60% is, is booking meetings, engaging clients, servicing existing clients, prospecting new clients. That's what an advisor's job has really become is working with the clients and, and as we said before, moving up that value stack, helping them think about their life goals and their holistic financial plan rather than just an individual manager, mutual fund manager, and whether he or she beat the stock market. Right. So for that 40% of time today, what does managing the money really mean? So if we go back in time, the year 2018 today, let's go back 30 years to 1988, that really meant picking stocks and picking bonds, laddering bond portfolios. And then in the 90s and the 2000s, that meant picking mutual fund managers that hopefully would outperform an index. Starting in the 2000s, you got more into passive, and, and the role of an advisor meant selecting active mutual fund providers and passive ETF providers largely. 
So where we are today is is those things are all still relevant. We still have advisors that pick stocks. We still have advisors that pick managers. Uh, advisors are actually offering more and more services bundled with that. So you think about tax planning, tax management, that's become a big theme. So you have to offer more and more as a financial advisor to stay relevant. And that's what we mean by managing the money. So the risk, though, is that this concept could be foreign to financial advisors, you know, outsourcing money management through model portfolios. Um, a lot of advisors have built their careers on managing money. How do you help them think about that? So there's a few different case studies of this. I think about the dispersion of outcomes. If you're a financial advisor and you have 100 different clients and you're running different models based on different risk tolerances and different eligible universes of products, you're going to get different outcomes. And unfortunately, there's there's a concept that's called myopic loss aversion, which just says that the pain of losing is more than the gain that you might get on the upside if you were to beat the stock market. And I'm sure Paul can go into greater detail uh, on that topic. But the point here is that you don't actually win a lot in the eyes of your customer by beating the stock market. You stand to lose a ton if you underperform the market. You might lose the client altogether. So that's what we see going on in the space is that if you have dispersion amongst all the different portfolios that you're managing, you want to reduce that dispersion so you have fewer outliers on the upside and the downside. And I think over time, that'll help you grow your practice. So, Paul, without me having to Google portfolio construction guidance, break it down for me in a way I can understand it. All right. Uh, So, portfolio construction guidance is a team of seasoned investors. And our job really is to help advisors build better portfolios by avoiding common misconceptions that advisors tend to have. So we start with um, a half an hour usually discussion called discovery call with the advisors. We find out about um, what their risk tolerance, what their clientele is like, basically know your client kind of stuff. So we can customize our portfolio construction to their particular uh, case. Now we take their current portfolio and go back with their preferences and risk tolerance. And we come back hopefully with a, a better portfolio, a target portfolio that sort of improves on the, the, their current portfolio by avoiding some of these mistakes they make. How long does that process take from start to end when you work with an advisor to do that? Certainly. So discovery costs about half an hour. And then we go back for two weeks to really work on the portfolio by doing asset allocation thoughts, thinking about uh, managed research, and come back for a one-hour final call And after that, we hope to help them implement the revised model, shall we say. So, you know, now that your portfolio construction team has completed, I think, 6,000 portfolio reviews for financial advisors. That's That's right. That's a ton. What have you seen is the most common misconception that advisors tend to have in building their model portfolios? And how do you help them overcome some of those misconceptions? Well, Mark, we see advisors uh, tend to buy whatever's working looking backward uh, by over-relying on backward-looking metrics. This is a dangerous habit. Remember, in 2007, um, real estate income trust REITs had a beta of 0.3 looking backward. That means that if the market were to go down 1%, the REITs were supposed to only go down 0.3%. Isn't that great? Shouldn't we all load up on REITs in 2007? Well, from March 2007 to March 2009, REITs were down 90% looking forward. In the last few years, in fact, we see um, a lot of firms pushing low-vol funds. These are funds that have low volatility looking backward and turns out to have high return too, which gives them a a high sharp ratio. In fact, firms that over-rely on software tools to do their portfolio construction tend to push these low-vol funds into advisors' portfolios. It did not work out too well looking forward. So past performance is no guarantee of future results. Those those words matter. The most famous disclaimer in finance. 
So what, given that, what should advisors do? Well, we believe that maybe advisors should rely less on software tools in building their portfolio because fundamentally, software can only rely on past returns to build your perfect portfolio because future return doesn't exist yet. Do you really want a perfect portfolio for the last few years? No. You want a portfolio for the next few years, right? So we believe that advisors who can avoid using just software tools, but instead rely on firms with extensive investment experience in multi-asset, multi-manager, multi-horizon investing to outsource their model portfolio management. So I would think both, you know, Matt, for you and Paul, you know, part of the call to action here is just recognizing it's okay to outsource this function. It allows you to focus on a lot of other things in your practice that are of critical importance to your clients. Fair statement? Absolutely. I think it's all about the client. That's the key word there is in the eyes of your client is your value perceived to be the money management piece of it, or is it actually working towards achieving goals and getting peace of mind? And we think it's the latter. So if if an advisor wants to learn more and think about that quick checklist, Matt, what do we do? So I think first you need a bit of self-reflection as a financial advisor, deeply about whether your value is being perceived, as I said before, in the money management tranche of of the value stack or higher up the value stack. And if you think your client is not valuing the money management piece of it and you want to explore outsourcing, you can reach out to any Fidelity representative that you work with and ask about Fidelity's portfolio construction capabilities. Great. Well, Matt and Paul, thanks so much for taking time to join us today. It's been a real pleasure and appreciate all the insights you provided. Thanks, Mark. Thank you, Mark. So we've spoken about managing the money and how advisors can adapt and adopt certain structural changes to help them move up the value stack, which is what customers truly value. Now let's welcome Greg Pinto and see how all this plays out in his day-to-day work at Bay State Financial. Greg, thanks so much for having us at your office here this afternoon. Maybe we begin, tell us a bit about you and your firm and how you work with Fidelity. Thank you, Mark. Thanks for having me. I'm a, a financial planner been working with Bay State Financial. We are a full-service financial services firm in the greater Boston area. We have a number of clients in the Northeast and down the eastern seaboard. I work with clients trying to address their day-to-day needs, work with them on portfolio management, as well as trying to address um, some of their legacy needs and and peace of mind concerns. So you've been in the industry a little less than 30 years? 28 years. 28 years. And and I'm betting you've seen a lot of changes in the financial services landscape. Maybe you could just tell us about those and what you've seen and how they've impacted your firm. Sure, sure. The first major wave that I saw really came in the late 90s and the early 2000s with the impact of the internet and technology on our industry. You know, that's when transaction costs were squeezed and continued to drop and access to markets opened. Really, the barriers to entry for sophisticated asset allocation and money management, they were either lowered or or totally eliminated. You and I know that this change has only accelerated over the years. And so I've changed uh, my practice from being a product-based practice to planning and advice. In the mid-90s, we first introduced financial planning to clients. We were one of the pioneers, really, to adopt uh, interactive financial planning. Today, 
we make that a central um, role, a central offering uh, while working with clients. Almost every client that enters our practice today enters as a financial planning client where I'm proud to say we really listen to their needs and we try to understand what keeps them up at night and how we can help them uh, look after their loved ones. Most of our clients want to leave this world a better place. It's really truly about their legacy and, and what they want to be remembered for. Our team doesn't really stop at finding the right product uh, at the right price um, or lowering taxes. I mean, that's, that's a given in, in today's financial world. Uh, but what our clients are looking for really is trying to help them achieve their financial goals that are truly unique to them, kind of like sending a, a child off to college or looking after a parent that needs help aging gracefully and with dignity. I would say to sum it all up, we work really hard at being the trusted source of financial advice to our clients. So accomplishing life's purpose, leaving a legacy, all the, the areas around fulfillment, you talked about the very, very top of the fidelity advice value stack. Maybe we could zoom down to the bottom sure. and talk a little bit about money management. And you know, it's a broad statement. How do you think about money management? And as an advisor, a very successful advisor, is that you know, the best way for you to spend your time? So at the very bottom of the value stack are things like transactions and asset allocation and, and income generation and tax reduction. While those are given in today's world, we really spend a lot of time with clients, as I mentioned to you, trying to understand how we can make a difference. There are a number of clients that you know, feel like um, they can do some of this stuff for themselves, and they, they frankly like to do um, some of the money management themselves. While we acknowledge that those clients exist, uh, we work with other clients that, that really need help trying to address um, their portfolio management needs. I look at myself as being an active manager of passive strategies, being able to review and, uh, and look at mutual fund managers. That takes a load off my plate when it comes to uh, managing the day-to-day -day money management stuff. And I can sit back and, and take a broader view um, for the client on risk management and asset allocation. And essentially move up the advice value stack to, the, to some of the top parts. Spend more time with the client, exactly, on Beautiful. those value-added services. So the industry today, a lot different than it was probably even a few years ago. Um, how is your firm reacting to all the great disruption in the industry? Absolutely. While we acknowledge robo-advising and mass customization of uh, client portfolios, our firm really is not pitching product. We gave up on that a long time ago. We spend a lot of time face-to-face -face with clients. Oftentimes, clients cannot meet in person. So nowadays, we use a lot of video conferencing, online meetings. I think it adds a certain amount of uh, uh, value to a client when they can see you over the internet versus a phone call. And is it, is it just the millennials who want to do that with you? Interestingly, it's, it's not just the millennials. We find a lot of grandparent generation folks. Um, we do have a number of clients that are in Florida, for example, that have their iPads and they're communicating with their grandkids. And they love the fact that they can meet online on their time, you know, early in the morning or sort of later in the evening. Um, no, I mean, we're finding 30 to 40% of our client base really appreciates the fact that they can meet online. 
So let's talk a little bit about the portfolio construction review process that you've completed. Um, how does it work? And you know, how does this ultimately add value for your clients? Sure. We meet with Paul Ma and uh, his portfolio management team every 90 days. We do it in person or over the phone. Fidelity and Paul's team is taking a look at our portfolios, trying to see if there are any hidden risks in the portfolio. As, as Paul constantly reminds me, yesterday's victories are just yesterday's victories. Uh, we really got to look forward in, in our portfolio allocation. So it's good to have an extra set of eyes that Fidelity can provide. It also helps us to explain to our clients our portfolio positioning, where we've been in the last quarter, where we're going to be in the next quarter, and how we are acting or reacting to current economic or financial conditions in the market. So what other tools or strategies have you used to continue to move up the advice value stack in order to spend less time, focus on money management as an example, and try to add more value to your clients in different ways? So clients have a have a sense of security because they've seen or heard of Fidelity, or they've seen uh, Fidelity commercial. So when we tell them about our working relationship, I think they see a lot of value in having an extra set of eyes and ears from Fidelity working on their behalf. So this allows us to spend more time with a client, customizing their portfolio for risk, for taxes, distribution, working with them on their legacy planning. You know, we have face-to-face meetings whenever possible, and we really add value, as I mentioned a little bit before, by listening to their needs and not pitching products. So maybe in closing, change and disruption can be hard. What advice would you give for advisors who may find themselves in the same position, thinking about wanting to move up the advice value stack, and how would you tell them how to do it? To fellow advisors in our industry, I would simply say this. Our value today is not in transactions. It's definitely not in providing your client with a stock report. All of that information is readily and very easily um, accessible on the internet today. Your clients are not really looking to you to be a stock picker. What clients are looking for today is help in understanding what their needs are. And so to my fellow advisors, I would simply add this, time needs to be spent and should be spent really helping clients in areas that lend to them the peace of mind, the legacy, the accomplishing one's life purpose area leave the transactional stuff to firms that that do a good job, a good day-to-day job of doing that stuff. Greg, thanks so much for joining us today and for your thoughts and perspectives. You're welcome, Mark. Thank you. All right, that's two in the books for FinPoint. I know I'm having fun and learning a lot along the way. I hope you are too. Thanks to our guests today, Matt, Paul, Greg, we got some great insights into moving up the value stack to meet the ever-changing needs of ever-changing customers. Next time on FinPoint, we'll continue the journey up the value stack and talk about achieving goals, an all-important aspect that advisors need to think differently about. Until then, I'm Mark Squires. Thanks for listening.
Sources, Cerulli Associates 2017, in partnership with the Investment Management Consultants Association and Financial Planning Association. The client experience expressed in this podcast is no guarantee of future success and may not be representative of the experience of other Fidelity clients. Portfolio construction guidance is provided by Fidelity Investments Institutional Services Company Incorporated, a registered broker-dealer. Fidelity model portfolios are made available to financial intermediaries on a non-discretionary basis by FIAM LLC, a registered investment advisor. The content provided herein is general in nature and is for informational purposes only. This information is not individualized and is not intended to serve as the primary or sole basis for your decisions as there may be other factors you should consider. Fidelity Clearing and Custody Solutions does not provide financial or investment advice. You should conduct your own due diligence and analysis based on your specific needs. Views expressed are through the end of the period stated and do not necessarily represent the views of Fidelity. Views are subject to change at any time based upon market or other conditions, and Fidelity disclaims any responsibility to update such views. These views may not be relied on as investment advice, and because investment decisions for a Fidelity fund are based on numerous factors, may not be relied on as an indication of trading intent on behalf of any Fidelity fund. Third parties referenced herein are independent companies and are not affiliated with Fidelity Investments. Listing them does not suggest a recommendation or endorsement by Fidelity Investments. Fidelity Clearing and Custody Solutions, registered trademark, provides clearing, custody, and other brokerage solutions through National Financial Services, LLC, or Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, members NYSE, SIPC. 200 Seaport Boulevard, Z2B1, Boston, Massachusetts, 02210. Content from Fidelity Institutional Asset Management, FIAM, is provided by Fidelity Investments Institutional Services Company, Incorporated, 500 Salem Street, Smithfield, Rhode Island, 02917. Copyright 2018, FMR, LLC. All rights reserved. 858-665.1.0.